Jared, we have to talk about Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts? We, Who's that? We caught the Dark Knight episode, and I was even going through later in that episode, and I was like, hmm, let's get the whole cast, because I feel like I was missing somebody. And I was missing Eric Roberts, who plays the mobster guy in the Dark Knight, who I love. Who I love. How could we have forgotten about Eric Roberts? What have we done? This is um, this is Darth Maul part two, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I, you know, when when Brandon, you know, when the the honorary treasurer of Ammonite Nation, Brandon Yu, called us out, uh, pretty much within hours of the episode going up, I was like, yeah, you caught me. Uh, you're totally right. One day we're gonna do an episode where it's Eric Roberts versus Darth Maul. We should fantasy Ooh. book that match. Oh. Oh, I'm down. Um, but if you're if you're ready, here is my point on Eric Roberts in The Dark Knight. As usual, he's working too hard. That's the whole discussion <laughs> on my end. Yeah, I think that extends to every every side character in The Dark Knight. They're all they are all vying for the main position in every scene they're in. Am I wrong? There you go. I mean, it's true. <laughs> it's true. The whole movie's a war. Who can be? that character there you go and then there's christian bale who's growling his way through the entire thing <laughs> that and more on our the dark knight bonus feature which we dropped last friday I that's believe. it was last yeah last let's say last friday let's say last friday yeah but you can listen to us uh, gush over a movie we have been gushing over since we were 16 years old and i'd say it's a good time but that's just me. It's pretty good. But for everyone else, hi, welcome to Ammonite Movie Night, the podcast about movies where everything's made up and Eric Roberts doesn't matter. Mm, that poor um, as usual, we're Kevin Jared. I, I, I also should note that Brandon linked me to <laughs> Kevin Jared. <laughs> oh, as if uh, my name was Kevin Jared. Could you imagine? I mean, we already you'd be. Um, oh, man, we already have a Kevin James from our school. Oh, uh, cut that. So we don't dox ourselves. Not to dox myself, but uh. There's also a James in my family as well, and I used to get that all the time, which is great. Ooh, oh, that sucks. Oh, brother. Oh, that, ooh, um, the other thing hard. is uh, Brandon linked me to his Sly versus Arnold list. I wanted to touch on this before we got started. Um, last ooh, okay, summer, cool. he went through the complete careers of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, last week, at the end of last week's show, I forgot about this. This was the Eric Roberts of the full episode. <laughs> Because <laughs> we were comparing Sly and Arnold, and Arnold won by 0.25 points or three five points. Damn! It was a pretty, it was a pretty slim margin, because I think I think, and Brandon can correct me if I'm wrong on this. From what it looks like here, it looks like Sly has more movies that are just utter trash. Yes. Where the Arnold ones are memorably bad, mm -hmm. or they were made in the early 2000s. <laughs> um, that string that string from like the mid 90s like jingle all the way which i love but is not perfect up through before terminator 3 is just puke um sly kept going is the difference yeah sly hmm i'm not as familiar with his uh filmography but it always seemed like he tried to evolve where arnold things just happened to him i mean that's true that's true and it's about the world around him and the things that work right predator works because it makes sense right kindergarten yeah. cop works in a similar way uh 
kind of sort of like bullet to the head for example arnold wouldn't do mm-hmm. uh, but again like arnold wouldn't do bullet to the head because bullet to the head sucks yeah he right? had a he had a very good sense of taste for a long time we talked about how in predator he changed the structure of the film because it seemed like it would be a better idea to have a whole team that gets there gets killed off rather than just one guy versus an alien exactly exactly uh, so yeah, that's cool. We'll probably put that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Brandon, for reminding me of those things. Uh, mm-hmm. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Now that we're done with that, the self-flagellation portion of the show. What was language uh, was that? It's, you know, it's the Catholic uh, forgiveness uh, prayer. I'm Jewish. It's a Sweeney Todd reference, Jared. Anyway, uh, what oh, are you watching this we week? So I watched two movies. One that we both shared and one that we share in the grander grander oh. universe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah. Yo. It's an absolutely insane. It took 30 years to have a good spinoff slash reboot slash sequel slash prequel to The Predator. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's and it's not like the formula couldn't be replicated. Mm-hmm. Right now. Now they swapped out act one. But once we get going here. Mm-hmm. Prey, the new movie from Dan Trachtenberg out on Hulu right now, is the Predator. It's it's the Predator, out. Predator in a different context, a different setting, and it's it's perfect. It works. Nothing crazy, you know. It's a, a native tribe of Comanche warriors who Predator picks off instead of buff '80s military men, but the principles are pretty much the same. There is a part towards... Hmm. Ah. Let's not ruin Prey. Nah. Now, now, when you come to the show, and, you know, we're going to ruin Freddy's Revenge and Jason Libs later, but let's let's hold off on that, yeah. Prey is something you should experience. Absolutely insane that you cannot watch this in a theater. I'm not big on the theater, theater experience myself. I'd watch this in a theater. That was a lot of fun. Wow, that's a lot. Um, that's kind I'm of been the universal take, including mm-hmm. from me, but it's the universal take for a reason. Although, I don't know, like, would half the people who I know that watched Prey watch it in a theater? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And the word of mouth is so strong. Like, would the word of mouth people go to the movies and pay the 15 bucks and sit there? I don't that was, know. That was something I was thinking about recently with uh, streaming becoming so relevant could there be somewhere in the future where they take uh, movies that they put out on streaming, get popular, and then say, all right, now watch it on a big screen. Pay 15 oh, bucks sure. to watch this. Like, I could I could see Prey not making a profit, but making a decent sum of money if you throw it out in some theaters. They could do an event. Yeah. That'll probably make some money. Have um, put out Predator 1, and then you watch Pred- Prey right after. I'd do that. That sounds fun. I get to watch Predator and Prey on a yeah. very big screen. The bigger question is, after Comcast pulls out of Hulu, what is Disney going to do with it? Are they even going to have a Hulu? Is everything going to go through Disney Plus next year? Who knows? Try not to think about it. <laughs> yep, that's probably for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Prey's awesome. I, I loved it, yeah. And I agree with you, like... I can't believe that the Walt Disney Company couldn't find it in their resources to release this movie against nothing. I, now, I haven't seen Bullet Train, 
but mm, no competition. I already know based on the trailer that there is no competition here. Come on. Yeah, this is we're in a little dead zone. Just throw this out there. People would go. Into, people would go as a curiosity at this point. Right. Exactly. Well, can't compete against week ten of fucking Thor, and week ninety of Doctor Strange that's already out on streaming anyway. Wait, Doctor Strange is still in theaters. I am absolutely positive. I am absolutely positive. Oh, I guess not. No, oh, I guess it's. Thank God. But it just ended. Like. It was there for months. These Marvel movies stick around for months, dude. I mean, I I, uh, I assumed so, but I thought my I thought I uh. I don't know. I thought they would pull them out after like two or three months. Not nope. How, oh oh oh, there goes me. It's there forever. It's there forever. I don't know. Well, some. I mean, if they're making big money, right? Like Black Panther ran through Endgame, but Black Panther ran through Infinity War and. Captain Marvel ran I through mean, Endgame. I mean um, that. I mean that sucker had like Oscar Oscar nominations on it. True. You... I mean Black Panther was a cultural moment, and Captain Marvel was going to be a cultural moment whether you liked it or not, right? <laughs> so whatever. Anyway, the point is that Prey is awesome. We like yeah. Prey. Good movie. There's a good dog in it. Good kills. Did you like Predator? Go watch this. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's an inconsistent franchise. I was going to watch Predator 2, mm. but I did not have the time. I will watch it this week. But uh I'd be interested yeah. to hear your t- I would be interested to hear your take on that. It's a especially since you're watching it following Predator 1 so closely. That'd be interesting. <laughs> we'll see. I did watch the first like 15 seconds of it and I lost my fucking mind. <laughs> it's the most extreme possible way to pivot away like if you haven't seen the opening of Predator 2, it's like this vaguely jungly looking environment in a helicopter shot. Mm-hmm. And then the camera moves up and it's like Los Angeles, 1990, <laughs> Predator 2 in giant big gunmetal letters. Absolutely hilarious. The, it, there are times where it feels like someone peeked at a Frank Miller script. Sure. Uh, the, <laughs> the other thing I watched was Back to the Future. Yeah, yes, please. It has been it had been a little while. A couple years. Yeah. A couple years. We watched it with a friend of the mind the minder of old Boone. The future <laughs> Mr. Redacted last name, not to dox our friend who doesn't listen. Um That was that was quite a night. Uh but uh I, yeah, it's been a minute. That was a fun night because I have I still have there are moments where someone would pause the film to like get popcorn or get a drink and it was paused at a very awkward position i just sort of zoomed in and took a photo i still have them on my phone to that day there are some of the best freeze frame faces in that franchise oh yeah but yes back to the future one difficult movie to talk about because a obviously what more can you say and b it just kind of speaks for itself it is it's insane how you can judge this movie as a critic as an artist so fully because it's so meticulous and deliberate you don't have to assume something is there it was there for a reason and that's insane absolutely insane movie uh in a better universe our boy would have been robin oh that would have been very good oh he's wonderful more he's we like 
we uh i think as a culture we need we need to return to the place and time where we had movies about little guys getting into big trouble i think that would solve i think that would solve a lot of things in our culture wonka coming next christmas I take it back, Jesus Christ! I'm coming back to this universe. Oh God, I'm ejecting. Beep, 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 wait, beep, beep, wait beep. though, isn't is Dune is Dune not about essentially a little boy getting into some big trouble? Timothy Chalamet height now Google. I can't believe we're doing this. I'm cutting this. Oh, he's too sh- he's two inches shorter than. Eh, you're told no. He's two inches shorter than shorter than me. He's t- five ten. He's two inches shorter than me. Yes. No, he has little guy energy. And like, and like you know. <laughs> where, where are we? I remember my, my most vivid memory of Back to the Future is I, I caught the second half of the second one. Like Doc is in 1985A and they're talking about the timeline branching on stars. I randomly came across it on TV. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what is this movie? I have to know everything about this whole thing. And then it wasn't for like six months to a year when they finally had come out on DVD and I got them that Christmas. Oh, how old were you? I was 10, 11, 12, maybe. Interesting. Yeah, I was obsessed. I would watch the DVDs and the extras every night before bed. So I would wake up in the middle of the night with the menu music blaring in my room. Oof. Yeah, that was the life. I miss DVD menu music. I do too, although I think the the Blu-ray solution of also including video is also not great. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Hard to sleep. That's right. Yeah, no, I was 10 years old. That's crazy. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, Back to the Future is a great movie. Everyone has seen it, and if you haven't, well, I envy you, because you get to watch it for the first time. Could you imagine? What a life that is. Envious. You get to watch Ronald Reagan's dreams come true before your very eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Me in hell, where is Ronald Reagan? <laughs> where is Ronald Reagan? <laughs> um, I'm excited to move to Anime Corner, but I want to hear your movies. What have you been I, watching? Or your you can go shows? ahead and do... What? You can go ahead and do Anime Corner because I don't have anything. Oh, all right. No One Piece? Fuck no. What are you, crazy? One Piece. I finally got to the point in Bebop where I, where I remember, oh, yes, this is a 12 out of 10 show. Right. Episode the... 1, minute 3. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the intro happens, and I go, oh, yeah, this is the best thing anyone has ever made. Now, the, um, the first part of the show, the first uh, 12 or 13 episodes are very good. And I'm not going to speak for the creator, but there was a period where uh, Bebop was put on hold between the first 13 and the last 13. Right. And it feels like they rewrote parts parts of the second part because they had the time. The show got put on hiatus because there was some something that happened in the late 90s in Japan and it was unpleasant and they had to keep this violent Bebop show away from the young uh, the youth eyes for a little while right and it's it's interesting it's the same show but it feels like an evolution where the first part is the the it feels like the writing and the art it's it's very enamored with how cool the characters are and then the second part is the show we remember where 
the characters are dorks. They're all kind of losers. And it gives it the gives them the breathing space to be human beings. And I can see where this show could have just been 26 episodes of of cool guys being cool, but it's 13 episodes of that and then another 13 of wow, being lonely is kind of a bitch, huh? There you go. It's um it's part of this run I'm doing where I rewatch the two most obvious and formative anime you could watch when between the ages of 12 and 18, which is uh, Bebop and then Evangelion. And both sure. of them have the similar formula of the first 13 is very much a formula and setting up what the show is. And then the, then the last part is, oh man, this is better than I could have ever thought. So, yeah. Yeah, I have um, to watch Evangelion. When is that happening? I wonder. Oh, goodness. I wonder. I, That's God not bless. a tease, by the way. No one read into that. God bless. I'm just wondering <laughs> when that is, because uh, it's not today. Mm. Let me finish Alf, and then yeah. I'll get to Neon Genesis Evangelion. I'll get through the 95 episodes of Alf I have left, and then we'll see. Just uh, wanted to add that this is probably going to be my final final watch of these two shows for a little bit, just because Ava is a lot to handle, and I've watched Bebop enough, but I'm doing something special where I watch the uh, the voice version, the voice acted version dub in case of Evangelion and sub for Bebop that I have not heard. Because I never watched Bebop in Japanese, and I have not heard the original English of Ava. Yeah, see, that's interesting. Because a lot of people have talked about, like, 70mm, they're doing Akira this week. Sure. And the thing about Akira is that we know it from the dub so much. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like at Bebop with the... Um, who's the voice actor for Spike on Bebop? Oh, Steve Blum. Right, like, like you need the Steve Blum almost. Like, mm-hmm. there's the legacy of it. And, you know, people can feel that way also about, you know... And I, I know that's not, quote, right, right? And I prefer sure. subs as much as anybody. But certain dubs have this iconic feel to them that you can't... It's difficult to take away. I was actually thinking about that more and more with the I Watch Bebop. And it's, uh, and it, it's interesting. I'm going to go into it more when I finish the show, probably by next week. I'm in the point where I'm going to speed through it and I'll have it done in two days. Right. But there is a weird thing going on between the dub voiceovers, the original Japanese, and the subtitles that are on screen. Where all three of them are the same show, but they're not the same tone or idea. Interesting. And it's something I could only experience now having I'm going through the lat I'm going through the Japanese uh voices. Evangelion, I have no idea. It's gonna be interesting hearing Spike Spencer as Shinji. Because yeah, he's a I don't know. Whiny ass kid. And it, I can't vouch. How am I gonna watch yeah. Ass Class? Should I watch the dub? I don't know. Probably not, right? Nothing uh, against the know. dub. I I actually know nothing about Ass Class. I'm sure the dub is good. I mean I'll get there. I just uh watch a lot of tv i don't know what else to say like i watched uh to kind of get into my stuff coming out of anime corner sure i'm kind of in the middle of stranger things three nice Um, now once i got partway through stranger things two what okay maybe not partway once i got to the end of stranger things two i was like oh seasons now season two didn't have to exist but it works as a closed circuit and the story pulls through and it all ties together really nice great right 
elevates season one, makes season two better by definition. Mm-hmm. But there's some stuff in season two that is just like, first of all, it takes four episodes for anything to happen. A B there's a point in the premiere. Like there's a ton of product placement up front at the beginning of season two where like characters will be eating KFC and they'll like cut to a character with the bucket in the foreground of the shot. And the character will say it's finger looking good. And like, while that was just one scene, I'm not stupid. So I was thankful in season three, you know, it all takes place at this new mall and, and there's really interesting stuff going on around the mall and stuff. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff is sponsored. Mm. Now I remember when the season came out, Baskin Robbins had like a big tie in with the ice cream stuff, but the ice cream stuff actually has their own like in world design. They didn't, you know, stuff episode one full of fucking ads for chicken again. Like I'm an idiot. It's insane. Uh, still think it's pretty superated, Jace. Uh, you know, whatever. The two can exist. And uh, I, I I still don't get what whips people in such a frenzy over this thing. Although it is great and the characters are strong and it's it's as good as any good streaming show. I'll say that. Like, mm. it's good. It's as good as the best streaming TV. That's a pretty uh, high compliment. I began season four myself the other day. I finished episode one, and it was all right. I don't see what the big thing is overall. Yeah. And I, I hope season four gets better and better, but I'm so distracted by the fact that these are, that these teenagers are quite clearly becoming men, and they're portraying 15-year-olds, and it's after watching one, two, and three where you can say, okay, yes, this is a teenager. It's like, nope. Nope. Yeah. This, is the bre- this is the breakfast club. These COVID aged these kids. COVID aged these kids good, dude. Oh, like, yeah. Even in season three, like, there's Will and Will, op- you know, a knock, knock, knock on his door and he opens it and Angela Lansbury walks in. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. That's not Angela Lansbury. That's Millie Bobby Brown. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what are we doing? And this person already is made up to look, you know, more like an adult anyway. Uh, very weird. But uh, I don't know. I'm liking that. It's okay. The flow of the entire show could benefit if they just did a time skip to justify why the kids look like adults. It's kind of weird yeah. for everything in their lives to happen between the ages of 13 and 15. It's also weird for these universe-level things to keep happening to the same five kids. Like, like in season two, when they do, like, Will becomes possessed again. And I was like, fuck, man, we're going to do this again. It's season two really is just a big rehash. That's why it's best to look at it as one 20 episode, whatever, 16 hour unit. Yeah, because because it's just the same. It's more of the same with Sean Astin this time, who's pretty good. I can sympathize as a writer and artist where it's like, oh, crap, we have to make a sequel to this very successful thing. Just do the same thing over so we can take a few minutes to think of better ideas for season three. I get that. That doesn't mean it's good TV. <laughs> it's kind of annoying and not great. Fair enough. It's true. That's Stranger Things. Uh, what else did I watch? I really didn't watch like a ton of stuff, honestly. Like I watched or anything really to talk about. I watched Oblivion, the Tom Cruise movie from like almost 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, really great trailer. I highly suggest you check out the trailer and then don't watch the extremely tedious movie. 
And that's my review of Oblivion, so that's why I really didn't. <laughs> I, I saw Resurrection, this new movie with Rebecca Hall that's out from IFC. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a just a really good thriller. I don't have a lot to say about that either. Got nothing to say about uh, The Thin Man? Nope. I mean, whatever. It's The Thin Man. The dialogue's great. You know. It's The Thin Man. It's The Thin Man. You know <laughs> what it is. The funniest thing about The Thin Man is that that title's a... Uh, it- it did not apply to the main character. That really, I okay. So funniest shit, man. Funniest. Listeners, listeners who know me know that I'm one of these nerds that gets pet peeved over the stupidest shit. <laughs> and let me tell you, I would be in the barracks in World War II, bitching about that like an idiot. Can you, you believe this shit? Look at what they did. That's not the Thin Man. I grew up reading these books, and let me tell you. Be, I'd be I'd be next to you going, I don't watch movies. I read Captain Marvel Adventure. Oh, yeah, right. Like, oh, my God, you would scoff. You're, you would scoff at Kirby. That's who you are. I did Please, not like Captain his... America as if. I To be fair, I, did not, I don't care for his earlier art. It's Case fine. In point. It's fine. I'd be I'd be reading Will Eisner's The Spirit. Or I'd be trying oh, fair to find. Enough. Or I'd be looking for Har- uh, Harvey Kurtzman. Uh, I love. Don't get me wrong. Kirby is the king for a reason, but his early art's fine. He was learning, and everyone has to learn. Was Nancy around in 1945? I wonder. Reagan. Nancy. Reagan. What do you think this is? <laughs> oh, that had to be around. Uh, Burns. 1938. You bet. I was reading Nancy every day. You bet. That's me. That's who I am. An, You're the Nancy an apostle guy. of an apostle of Guy Gilchrist. The two of us sitting in the corner while the other ones talk about boobs or whatever. I'm reading my Will Eisner's The Spirit, and you're reading Nancy, both inexplicably in comic book format to fit the joke. How did we win the war? Is my question. With the, with soldiers like these, how did we win the war? Oh God, you should see the guys on the other side. Whoo, Nelly. Fair enough. All right, so that's what we've been watching. And, uh, you know, next week, we're wrapping up the Big Fat Crazy Summer. Jesus. It's my birthday next week, believe it or not, as crazy as that is. It's almost um, over. Crazy to think about how quickly this came and went. But we're doing The Room. We're doing The Big Lebowski. You know, two of my all-time faves. Excited, as always, to watch these movies and discover something new. I generally... Let me tell you, I've seen The Room over three dozen times. Over More four dozen that. times. Mm-hmm. I've seen it over 50 times. And I still find new things. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Seeing seeing that live was interesting because sometimes it was funny and sometimes, man, that guy behind me really thinks he's funny, doesn't he? Yeah, we got lucky with that the couple mm. times that we went where it wasn't too bad. And then, like, it was funny enough that it got over. Sure. But, but it's risky. We'll we'll talk about our live room experiences le- next week. Oh, believe me, I'll talk all about Tommy Wiseau's paper mache lizard skin next week. God, oof, being near him. And if aura. you want to talk about, <laughs> don't drop it. Don't drop it. <laughs> and if you want to talk about the room, you want to talk about the big Lebowski. You can email amntpod at gmail.com. That address again 
you might want to email amntpod at gmail.com. Thanks, Jeff. No problem. Where's my check? It's around back. I'll go look for it. Well, off he goes. Bye. Later, Jeff. Jeff Foxworthy, everybody, host of the Christian Bible Game Show. We have him on sometimes. Just like yeah. him. I've seen way too much of that Bible Game Show, I have to be honest with you. It's no good. But, speaking of the Bible... <laughs> we're going to talk about homosexuality. That's right, that's right. Uh, Jared, as always, you have the John F. Kennedy silver dollar that's going to totally decide the order of movies we discuss. Oh, man. Leaving it up to chance? The FBI is going to raid my apartment looking for uh, documents around this coin flip, but go ahead. I make my own chance, Kevin. Call it. Heads. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Freddy's Revenge. Freddy's gay. Yeah, you know. We'll go into that in just a second. But first, we're going to have to introduce the movie. Jared, earlier this summer, you gave me a list of movies, and on that list was Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Mm Mm-hmm. Why? Weirdly enough, it's my favorite nightmare. Ah, I don't okay. think that's that weird. <laughs> no, it's not my favorite. New Nightmare is distinctly my favorite, but it's also like saying the meta one is my favorite sounds so douchey. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly barely a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel, right? It was the more franchise about, was over at that point. It was, it's more yeah. about horror movies and using those things to tell a story about horror movies. But that's my favorite uh, favorite movie that has the Nightmare banner. Me too. But as a Nightmare movie, I liked Nightmare... Nightmare 2 is my favorite because of how focused it is. I get... Hmm. Let's talk... Should we talk... Shall we talk about the plot a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. All right. Jesse Walsh is a, let's say, 16-year-old kid. Recently moved into his house with his family, going to school... Blah, blah, blah. A child. Which, by the way, I just want to note, Mm. it's the same house from Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Mm -hmm. Which, like, okay, maybe it's because Halloween is my favorite horror franchise, and it's all about the house. Mm -hmm. And also, this is before the internet existed. But what, did the neighbors just sit and watch them buy up this nightmare horrible house? Yeah, I was going to get to that, but... (laughs) No one, like, the, the dad just goes, oh, well, uh, it, w- it was a good deal. And the wife doesn't know, the mother doesn't know, and it's like, do you just not talk to your neighbors? Isn't that, don't you, is that, what else do you have to do in the 80s? Watch television, go talk to the neighbors, hasn't, Yeah, I mean, say these hello? days, I can believe, I can believe not talking to the neighbors, but I wouldn't yeah. believe a lack of Google. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, anyway, they have to move into the house because of yeah. what happens next. Go ahead. Yeah, move into the house. The kid, uh, Jesse Wall, Jesse Walsh, having some nightmares. He wakes up screaming. The movie is a the cold open of the movie is a nightmare sequence in of itself, <laughs> which bus. is always a lot of fun. That great the bookend bus nightmare, which is mm-hmm. so great. It's pretty cool. I really like it. <laughs> uh, I kind of liked how at the start it's you're not sure of whose dream it is. And then it turns out to be no one's dream. He's just, you know, freak having a little freak out. Um, but from there, you see this kid's, you see Jesse's life. He is friends with a girl named Lisa. 
whom he drives to school in the piece of shit car that's never brought up ever again. Right. And he he's a, he's in gym class, and this is where like the movie starts to expand its cast a little bit. Um, beyond beyond Lisa, you get to meet Ron Grady, uh, Jesse's frenemy. Frenemy. Oh my God! What a what a role! What a character! God, they're um they're playing baseball as part of gym, and. They start getting they start getting a little upset with each other, and Jesse tags Ron out and mouths off to him. And Ron's reaction is to jump up, jump up and pull Jesse's pants down, and then jump <laughs> on top of it and start punching him. And it's like, oh, homoerotic subtext. Again, is it even subtext? Oh God, no! It's so wonderfully obvious. Right. But you meet, but you meet Ron, who's an important character. Uh, you meet Coach Schneider, who's that was a weird, weird tangent. But he's an asshole, gy- asshole gym teacher. It expands into their into their world. Jesse has been having nightmares for quite a while since moving in. The house keeps heating up inexplicably. The dad is useless because he's a baby boomer from like 1946, so he right. doesn't know his ass from his armpit. Right. These Usual kids haven't like seen that. war. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like when Jesse uh, combusts the bird. Oh God, yes, it's the best. That that like the Death Star explosion for the little bird. Yeah, the his kid sister has a par uh, a parakeet, I believe, and it gets really upset with the heat and flies around, scratches some faces, and explodes. Funny enough, that is something that original director of Nightmare Wes Craven objected to because he thought it was stupid. And that's one of the reasons why he didn't really return to this film. He thought the exploding parakeet was stupid. Come on, Wes. Wes <laughs> is almost never wrong. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the... I mean, hmm. I don't know if that's the dumbest thing in this movie. It's really not. Like, yeah, it's pretty dumb, but it's not... The way, at least at least the way it was done, it fills... It plays with the family drama stuff that uh, heightened emotions, Jesse being distant from his family, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But you get into the undercurrent of why Jesse's having these nightmares. And turns out he lives in, the, lives in the house from the first nightmare. He finds Nancy's diary. Jams in the upper corner of a closet that he's oh, moved yeah. into. And featuring the most awkward first date of all time where um, Lisa, the girl he drives to school, that apparently... Apparently they've had some past like friendship that just immediately sprouts up. She comes over while he's dancing around his room to a <laughs> very straight song, and a se- the second the door opens, he's thrusting his hips with this like little like champagne cork thing, and pop! As soon as someone comes in, it's like yes. Oh my god! Homoerotic subtext, but <laughs> God, this movie gets sillier the more I think it about is, you it. You know, you know. Um... I just wanted to say, the, yeah, he cl- the first date with um, Jesse and and Lisa is they clean his room together. Hey, look, <laughs> say what you want about the behavior of certain people who lead their philo- their philosophies with clean your room, but that's not a bad piece of advice. Oh, it's a great piece of advice. I I just wouldn't clean my room with a with a girl that I might be interested in. Or a guy I might be interested. Yeah, I, just I, I certainly wouldn't someone. read a woman's journal that I found in 
like the circumstances of that are insane. Obviously, oh, yeah. you need to place it there, but <laughs> it 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 gets the point fu- well enough, and it uses it to expand the themes of being de- so deep in the closet that even Freddy Krueger is having trouble with you. But yeah, from oh. from there. They start to discover that Freddy Krueger is not just a demon that shows up in Jesse's nightmares. He is something that has plagued people in the past. Right. And then the movie gets um, gayer. Right. Well, that's the whole thing, right? Is yeah. that is that Freddy is is sparing Jesse seemingly in these horrible dreams mm-hmm. because he wants to join with him. There's that great line: "You got the you got the body, I got the brains," which is mm-hmm. like, you know, um, goofy goofy but it's freddy krueger right we'll get to that because i have a whole thing on freddy krueger later oh i'd love to hear it i'm excited but uh yeah so he's trying to make a deal to control jesse jesse's not into it and then he proceeds to control jesse anyway yeah (laughs) it's very like freddy krueger is bubbling under the surface for jesse almost as if to be a symbol for something but for what the director of this film openly says all the time that he's not sure God. God. The stigma was that bad, folks. Oh, times God, were yes. tough. I don't know. You 84, know. 85? Yeah, that's that's a that's a period of time to be dealing with that subject matter. I mean, but, then they have the hmm. scene where where Jesse he goes out to he like starts to wander the streets. He goes into a gay bar, meets the gym teacher. The gym teacher catches him and then not really explained, makes him run laps around the gym. Mm-hmm. Then Freddy appears in the shower, like ties the gym teacher up, spanks his ass with a towel, with a wet towel. And then, you know, does Freddy stuff to him. Yeah. Slashes him up. The, I think that was a, that was obviously the, the dream sequence, but unlike other nightmare movies, this is the dream sequence is how strange it is for this to happen at all. And then right. it turns out it did happen. I, and I like that. I, As much as I like the elaborate set pieces of the prior and future movies, I kind of like just the strangeness of, oh, man, I wandered, I wandered into a gay bar and saw my gym teacher, and then he made me do laps. And then, and then a weird guy killed him in the shower. That's a dream. <laughs> That's a dream. That's a dream a hu- anyone could have. True. That's I true. Kinda li- I kind of like the, how that it makes, like, how, like, the fact that it's in reality, he's tied up and like slashed his back is slashed up. It really puts in like, wow, did that actually happen? Or is that like a dream version of what actually happened? Did he maybe like, I don't even know what could have done, what have happened. I kind of like that. It's neat. Oh yeah. I think it's cool. I'm not, you know, opposed Uh, with my big. So my big thing with the nightmare franchise though, is that like, like, do I care about Freddy Krueger as anything? Okay. Right. Do I even care about him? I I do not think he's totally like. I'm. Why am I laughing at him? He's not a chill guy. He's an abuser of children who was burned to death by the parents of those children in revenge. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's like funny, and he's goofy and silly. It's like, what is the line? How am I supposed to feel? And that's really my big issue, I think, with these movies. <sighs> Very dark humor. I, I, I guess, but like... This might just be riding the high of the Dark Knight from prior week. Do you, but mean, he's do you, really... mean, do you mean the Dark Knight starring Eric Roberts? Ah, so the Dark Knight starring 
Eric, Eric Roberts. Roberts. The only actor in the whole film. Mm-hmm. Christian Bale, who? Right. But, but, but anyway. But it's the same idea as the Joker character, where he's he makes you laugh, but you kick yourself for laughing. But this pushes way more into the dark territory, where obviously the, pen- the pencil gag is funny because he killed someone with a pencil. Right. This is not as funny. You're just watching Robert England's, like, Looney Tune his way through this movie. Because he... I, I mean, I'm going to compare him to Jim Carrey because oftentimes Jim Carrey's compared to a Looney Tunes character come to life. Right. I think Robert England has a little better because he recognizes it's the back and forth. He's a big, goofy guy who where he jumps into a room grabbing the doorframe. And then, like, before he turns, he whips his head so it's like a cartoony effect. And then it's a, it's a back and forth where he escalates and escalates and the other person escalates their fear. Which I think is the nature of the Looney Tunes. And it's just funny. Because we're familiar with how that back and forth goes. But there are no jokes. It's just kind of weird and funny. Like to no, watch it happen. <laughs> I feel like it was good here. I like. Mm-hmm. I love the first one. Yes. And then it's oh, good yes. in the X-Men one. Mm-hmm. And then immediately diminishing returns. After Dream Warriors, it just like totally falls off a cliff for me. Like the dream child. What the fuck are we doing? And then Freddy's dead. It was like not dead. Not soon enough. Because I just did, I couldn't. But but again, I was watching them at the same time as the Friday the Thirteenth movies, which mm-hmm. for me are way more my speed. Mm-hmm. So maybe that probably threw a wrench. Because spoilers, I revised my rating and I'm up quite a bit, isolated. So maybe that's my problem. But I have a hard time attaching to Freddy because, like, I love the dream stuff. Robert England is a fucking legend and is amazing, right? But I just, you know, I don't feel like I should laugh at this guy. And he's too goofy for me to be afraid after basically like middle of this movie. The, the, like after the gay bar scene, we cross a Rubicon with Freddy Krueger where he starts to become too goofy. Although the yeah. TV, the TV kill in Dream Warriors is. Premium. Yeah, that was good. <sighs> uh, yeah. I, d- I watched three and four. I don't remember four very well. I was I probably was falling asleep at that point. But... Sure. Hmm. I do remember him being goofier in three. Like he had more of a sadistic sense of humor where here he's a sadist who acts very strange. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just people remember three, four, and five as like who Freddy is. And two is the weird one and one is what sets it up. Yeah, see, like, very similar trajectory to the 13th in that case. What like one sets up who he is and the kind of shit he does. Three, four, and five subvert it and expand on who Freddy is. Where two is, two feels like a drawn out version of one of the kills in one. And I I like that for what it is. I'm calling uh, this movie Nightmare on Elm Street Gaiden. Sure. In the vein of Shin Halloween, where Shin Halloween is a reboot, so Shin is true, new, similar to Megami Tensei. To Shin Megami Tensei is a reboot. In the same flavor, sure. where Gaiden is a side story. Like, Majora's Mask was referred to as Zelda Gaiden, compared to Ocarina of Time, because it's a little side story. I get you, I get you. Yeah, this is just for the crowd who know better than to know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Freddy Gaiden is pretty funny. Yo, Nightmare on I... Elm Street Gaiden is... I, as soon as I thought of that, I kind of laughed for a solid minute. Let me How tell you, I, I use Shin Halloween all the time. Okay, good. <laughs> It's so silly, and I just love it every time. That's what it is. It's hard, you know. It's annoying to have to refer to it 
every time as Halloween 2018. Shin Halloween just gets to the point, and if you know, if you know. An ick yuck moment, if you shin, will. Shin Shin. Ick yuck. Oh, that's an ick yuck. Um, what else do we have here? We They go to the factory, getting back to the plot of the movie, sure. kind of walking through it. Oh, sure. so he kills the gym teacher. Yeah. Freddy kills the gym teacher. Jesse kind of wakes up, and he's wearing the glove, and then he wanders the streets naked until he's found by the police. Mm-hmm. Um and immediately everyone assumes he's on drugs. No one asks if he's okay. His mom right. doesn't ask. His dad obviously doesn't ask. He's a, he was born in 1944. He doesn't know how to ask. Again, these kids haven't seen a war. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, that's what they would say. That's what they oh, say now. Oh, so. oh, you're not wrong. But, hmm. Uh, well, the most damning moment in the entire thing, and I say damning in terms of its context... Lisa, his uh, gal pal, if you will, is going to have a party, and everyone's going to be there. Oh and my god, what a party. The man is trying to motorboat a lady. Our boy Jesse is trying to motorboat. <laughs> yeah, this is the best. And then this immediately, is the best scare. Um, <laughs> the best scare, he's not getting a boner because he's motorboating. Because <laughs> he's 16 and doesn't realize that's Yeah, but what happens when he, goes to, when he goes to do it? What happens? He gets a really big tongue. And yeah. he doesn't know what to say, which I'm going to I'm going to be a little pretentious and say that's a, a good choice because he doesn't know how to communicate what he's feeling to her. With like a, having a swollen tongue, like like that kind of thing. It's amazing. And immediately. And he gets a weird, big, weird tongue, doesn't know what to say. So he gets up and immediately runs to his friend's house and says, can you watch me sleep? <laughs> he goes to his frenemy, Ron Grady, and says, please watch me sleep. So funny. Can we also can we also touch on there's some stuff at the party that's pretty funny, like when uh they're waiting okay, here's something that bugged me this watch. Okay. They're waiting for the parents to go to sleep. Okay? And then the parents turn the lights out. They start blasting the music as if they're not even home. And then it cuts to inside and the dad is pissed. What's going on out there? Like Oh honey, they're just kids. Like like, what? Like what kind of room do they expect this to be? This is nineteen what is it, 1984, uh, This is 1985, you know? This is Back yeah. to the Future era. These homes are made of one sheet of plywood. What are we doing? I think the, the funny thing is they just have a little montage of the beers are out, the music is blasting, we're all making out, and you, you need to wait at least an hour before you even consider turning the music up a notch. Like, what the... Just what the, ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Um, and then we kind of go to, so he goes to Grady's house. Um, Freddie comes out of Jesse's body. Am I correct? Am I mixing it up? Cause we were, we're starting to watch, we're watching Sandman. Sure. Am I correct that Freddie literally comes out of this guy? Yes. He pops yeah, okay. out of the chest. You get a great scene of, of not a, not a good like fake dummy but it looks great in the moment when like you're too busy looking at robert england tearing his way out of a teenager's chest you know like an alien with the impregnation and the there forcing you go. Out. see it all comes full circle they do a similar thing with um with possessed characters in sandman do that where they climb out the mouth interesting um, which is inventive you know yeah what else happens oh my favorite thing i love Nightmare on Elm Street movies that end in a big factory. 
because New Nightmare does as well, I think, right? Or is that Dream World? They do no. some Dream World stuff. They do Dream World New stuff. Night- no, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the big scene at the at the uh, car lot, which I don't even think is that one. You know what? Don't worry about it. Everybody, go listen to Coblasto uh, and Yoli's Spaghetti and Freddy Western and Nightmare on Elm Street podcast, and they'll tell you all about that in way better detail than I could. Would you mind saying that pod- podcast again? The title again is Spaghetti and Freddy, which is so good. Jared is howling right now. In- I've got my mouth covered. It's very it's really good. Great. The show's great. I have to. They they they're doing like uh, the Leon films. Oh, I love and it. Nightmare on Elm Street alternating weeks. It's good stuff. Um, but Ooh. yeah, I mean, I love the final battle. Anytime, I, the the horror, no matter how bad the movie is, the final battles in both franchises are generally pretty fucking great. It uh, it starts with um, Freddy threatening Lisa, and she is just trying to speak to Jesse, who's still somewhere hidden within the within the Freddy persona. Right. Freddy doesn't like it, and he has a great scene where he jumps out a glass window explodes the glass window explodes and he disappears and starts murdering see that stuff's amazing oh man just the the visual i always forget the visual of him bursting through the window and fading away it always catches me off guard in a good way like oh nice a couple of great scenes where he kills teenagers in goofy creative ways some guy tries to reason with him doesn't end well and then he leaves, so the final, the last battle can happen. The last part of this is a little messy. It feels like there were eight minutes shaved off. Uh, this movie's under ninety, by the way. Hell which yeah, is, which is good, but also like that, the last part's just. Oof, we need a, I needed a <laughs> teeny bit more, just a little more. I to agree connect with some you. Dots. I agree with you. There could have been a little bit more at the end, especially. Mm-hmm. But yeah, great effects, great look wonderful to see something with homoerotic subtext that actually addresses the kind of fears a teenager would have oh no i'm gay yeah you know uh you know even even at the end of last week's show we were a little flip about that and i just want to be clear that i think you'll agree that it's actually a really really great metaphor for not even just like realizing your sexuality as a teen in like not even just a gay allegory, but in general, like trying to discover your true self in so many different ways and Mm -hmm. having trouble communicating that with your family, with your friends, with your teachers at school. And Freddie as the symbol of that is just remarkable. Um, Just really smart idea that Mm -hmm. they don't have to be scared. They can acknowledge it now because more people would, would see the movie. I think like more non horror fans would give it a shot. And they would realize how, also how camp these are. Oh, yeah. Um, the joy of the Nightmare movies especially is just the level of camp they bring. It's true. It's like, it really is kind of the precursor to those Chucky movies also. Because mm-hmm. Chucky brings a lot of that same Freddy energy I found in uh, oh, yeah. Child's Play movies. Positing Freddy, putting Freddy in the position of this, like, that kind of anger you have when you cannot be open about who you are and how it just lashes out. I liked that a lot. It's a very interesting... It's one of those ideas that you'd expect is like a failed fifth movie. Right. But it's the second movie. And it just happens. It's a right? guide-in. It's just a side or, thing that like, happens. I like that. 
or like not to get all Clint Eastwood about it, but you'd imagine this approach happening tomorrow. Right? Like, oh, Freddy's a metaphor for coming out and understanding your sexuality and being different and being, in, you know, because you're gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just uh, really appreciate it for doing that. By yeah. the way, I was at like two, two and a half on this because I'm a fucking fart head. I was very surprised at that initial view at your initial review. I was like, dang. No, no. Like, oh, I. Again, I think my general franchise problems got in the way here. Sure, I don't know sure, what happened sure. here, but I'm at I'm at three and a half now. I think nice. that it's way better than what I made it seem. And when you explore the, when you see it again and get to explore all of that themes and what it means, and also the comedy of them dodging it behind the scenes, and mm-hmm. also like the very clear text, it's it's an interesting rewatch. I'll say that, and it's jumped yeah. up quite a bit. I'm I, I'm at the same four I've had for a, I've had since I first watched it. Honestly, it would be it would be a three and a half for me. But that extra extra star, that extra arbitrary star comes half star comes from the place of like, you had the balls to make this in 1985, <laughs> in the middle of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know that's true. And this is like they're they're writing and directing this movie during the Morning in America campaign for his reelection as well. Oh God, yeah. Which is wild. Like just 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 that they went and did this at that moment in time. I like that. And, you know, movie's pretty good. That's amazing. It's, uh, I like the Looney Tunes, so it's a lot. I'm biased. <laughs> I will also say, like, Friday the 13th starts and stops a bunch on mythologies and what counts, and ditto on Halloween, although that was more because they were making it up as they went along until 4, and then it's a train wreck until 2018. Mm-hmm. But, uh, in my opinion, you know. Um, but, uh it really is amazing that nightmare kept kind of some sort of continuity mm-hmm. throughout up to Freddy's dead, at least like it feels like a string of events. Yeah. Freddy's dead is essentially the last, the last story and Freddy versus Jason is shut up. Didn't even happen. Who Didn't cares? happen. Just... Can I tell you, I watched the Friday. So I watched, I got both box sets and I watched them all through. Sure. And I was like, so jazzed. I was like, I know this movie's going to be kind of shitty, but so many of these Freddy and Jason movies are kind of shitty, but fun. Mm-hmm. And then the first shot of Jason head on, I'm like, oh, Jason looks like complete ass. <laughs> Jason looks like ass. Like he looks and I never I hate ass as an adjective, but it's the only way you can describe like awful. It just doesn't look like Jason at all. Kane Hodder. They said, no, Kane, we need somebody who's taller. And they hired somebody half a foot shorter than him. And it shows on frame. Oh, my God. Just get Kane hotter. Pay him the money. What are you doing? Please stop doing pay disputes. Just give people what they deserve so you can get the good thing. To be fair. Paramount. Freddy vs. Jason made too much money. It made a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of both these franchises, the only reason that these movies exist is that you could churn them out for cheap and make a ton of cash. Mm-hmm. Right. Why does Saw, why do we have nine Saw movies and why, why is, you know, why is Chucky still continuing? Why mm-hmm. are we working on ways, you know, to reboot XYZ franchise? Right. Uh, why, why did Texas Chainsaw Massacre just come out in February on Netflix? Oh my gosh. Cause you make them for oh no gosh. money. They're running after one person. There's a couple of big effects in that movie. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like 
you know, it's not like we're making cinema here. Like, you know, like, like Jordan Peele, right. Makes capital M movies, but these are just movies, right? Like it's different. It's different. It's not like prey. Um, uh, I don't know. I think we need a couple of years on that one to figure that out. Let's uh, let's be patient. Let's see the uh, the pseudo sequel that features samurai. <laughs> oh my god! Please, you know you're not the only one who came up with that idea. Not just oh, for yeah. samurai, but for westerns. I would love a, f- a futuristic or a theme park predator. Yeah, it would be very good. Theme park oh, predator would goodness. be tight. Oh my goodness, 1968, Disney World has been open for two years. Then the Predator gets there. The Predator has to grapple with the implications of the corporate sponsorships of the 1964 World's Fair in real time. Could you imagine, though? This sounds like a Steam game. Like a $5 Steam game. My God, stolen Unreal Assets. Simulator (laughs) 2023. Uh, I'd find a way to play it. Anyway, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Good campy fun. And speaking of camp, we're going back to Crystal Lake. No, Last not. Summer, it was renamed. Don't let do time. It was renamed. Okay. There's a summer camp upstate. Okay. Okay. It's okay. got a brand new name. Now, last summer we went to Crystal Lake. That went terribly. Okay. Yeah, that, that was not good. All five prior times. Not not great. My God. Um, but I have a feeling that this time's going to be different. Jason Voorhees was killed by Tommy Jarvis. Whew. Right? The young, at the end of Friday the 13th. So, Jared, I know you haven't seen these. So, in case anyone else doesn't know the story, Friday the 13th, one through three are kind of uh, their own thing. It's not a super continuous deal, but... Jason develops as a character up to that point. He doesn't have the hockey mask until three, four, five, and six are their own trilogy. I think four, I would also recommend to people. I think okay. one, four, and this one, six are legitimately fucking amazing movies that are really good. Two and three are fun. I think you can get one through four and six are great. Five is puch. The rest is kind of puch, but if you like the franchise, like I said, they're fun. Mm-hmm. Tommy Jarvis is out of the hospital the psychiatric ward from Friday the 13th, a new beginning. One of the worst movies of all time, barely a movie by the way. Mm -hmm. And Jason Voorhees is dead, but Tommy's still having hallucinations of the man he killed in Friday the 13th part four years ago. Mm -hmm. Crystal Lake, as we said before is now called forest green and he brings his friend Alan with him to go dig up Jason's grave and make sure he's dead which is a classic mid eighties. Like, like I watched return of the living dead this week and mm-hmm. you could totally see that happening in something like that. Like it's honestly a comedy move. Yeah. The entire thing smacks of comedy. Oh, like this it, was like, it, it was heralded as like the prototype for, for scream of anything. There's, there's some bits in here that just feel like a sex comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, well, also, the core of Friday the 13th, as they're digging up Jason's corpse, we'll unpack this. Sure. Because we got a minute. But uh, the the whole thing of these slashers, though, specifically Halloween and Friday as a ripoff of Halloween, is that it is a punishment for premarital sex, right? So it's inherently funny. Mm-hmm. When you see people have sex, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> It is a, oh man, it's just a setup to a punchline. And the punchline is that one scene where he pushes someone's face 
against the interior of a trailer bathroom so hard you see the outside and her she her face has a little like indent like one of those goodness <laughs> what do you call those one of those like little you know what i'm talking about like yeah where yeah you push yeah your like a little magnet thing where you put your hand in it and it shows Ex- on the other side but it's a trailer so good <laughs> you know the inspiration you know that was the inspiration for terminator 2 <laughs> you know the whole movie when i saw them set up the trailer i was like oh wait a minute is this the one with the with the T2 face in the metal on the side of the trailer. And it was. And it was good. You know, I actually kind of want... I kind of wanted to revisit this movie down the line. Like, I do want to do a Friday run-through. Yeah. And now I know I'm going to watch this movie. And in the back of my head, I'm going to think, this is the one with the Terminator Two-Face <laughs> for the rest of my life. Two-Face? Harvey. Harvey. No. No. Harvey, I'm sorry. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Dent. When are we doing? Mm. Move anyway. over. Anyway. I want to drive. <laughs> anyway, so they go to dig up. They're going to dig up Jason's corpse, and they're going to cremate it and finally bring the nightmares to an end, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is they dig up his corpse, okay? And then this very convoluted thing happens where where he's having a flashback of the fight from night from Friday four again. And he impales Jason on a metal post lightning strikes the post. And Jason is reanimated as, as what Wikipedia calls an immortal revenant. Now as the host of the, the revenant only podcast, how did you feel about Jason's role as a revenant? An animated corpse revived from the dead to haunt the living. I'm coming for you. Paramount pictures. That's right. Get him. I apologize. Tom Cruise is going to fucking kill you, dude. Oh, I'll step on him before he gets anywhere near me. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So Jason's reanimated. He kills Alan and, Mm -hmm. and total freak out, total disaster. For some reason, Tommy brought the hockey mask, which I'll never understand. But Jason puts that on. Right. Tommy tries to warn the sheriff. The sheriff locks him up right away. Then then there's this other storyline going on where they're going to try to have the camp still. Which is just it's like it's buying buying the Elm Street house level of stupid. Yeah, but it's, you know, a very familiar formula that they're very good at at this point where Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of teens and they all have a dynamic or whatever. I I think people in the Friday, the 13th universe have no sense of danger because this movie has including camp not crystal lake there are multiple people around the lake that are just hanging out right the paintball enthusiasts yes executives the people out on a date like these i don't know about you but if i if i heard that like camp murder was over by (laughs) camp blood lake i would not go there for my romantic dinner i would go to my lawn i don't know oh my god absolutely (laughs) insane I love the tree, though, when he crushes the paintball guy into the tree. So, oh, that ripped. The, the smiley face. The smiley face, no less. And that's how he gets his machete, also. Yeah. He, um, you sent me that gif earlier today where he looks at his machete then <laughs> lifts it a little higher to make sure you know where he got it from. Right. Um, also, at this point, Tommy meets the sheriff's daughter, Megan, and mm-hmm. some kids that are going to yeah. eat shit. You know how it happens. I honestly, though, like, even though 
Jason killed all those people. The real oh shit to me is when the children show up at camp. Because if you remember, in the first one, generally it's just the counselors in this franchise. Very rarely yeah. do you see like children, children, at least in my memory. Yeah. So that's a huge escalation to me. It's good you bring that up because I was going to talk to you about the children like appearing later, but let's continue with the movie. Yeah. So, so, so the two storylines go on, right? So the kids show up at camp and Tommy is trying to get the sheriff's daughter who is coming around on him and growing attached to him and believing him and trying Mm -hmm. to break him out. Jason arrives at the camp and doesn't hurt the kids. This is great. Now this Mm -hmm. I loved. What a cool nuance. Like he doesn't hurt the kids. He only hurts the counselors because the only reason Jason kills is because the counselors didn't save him because Mm -hmm. presumably they were too busy having sex or so his mother believes. And that's really what this is all about. Your mother, your mother, your mother, your mother. It all gets down to his vengeance, which is just these teenagers that did not protect him when he needed to be protected. There's a scene um, a little later on that I just wanted to tack on here where he encounters a child and he and she starts praying. Yes, thank you. I liked that a lot because it mm, there was a part that felt like he was just fascinated by the fact that there's a very small version of a counselor. Like he doesn't really see humans anymore. He just sees what are you? Like the way his body language speaks, it's just he doesn't understand what he's looking at anymore. Right. Like his Terminator targeting system does not clock a child. Exactly. It also it also works with um within the movie, but later on when um he's being yelled at by two characters from either side, he moves full body, no neck, no and of course you don't really see the eyes move because there's no it's all dark. He moves like a machine almost, like something working purely on instinct. No, it's not a machine, it's an animal. He's an animal, he's curious, and he has an instinct. And I, I like that, how this movie sets that into stone. Right. Yeah, but this is this is very much the Friday the 13th. Like my letterbox review this morning was what we talk about when we talk about Friday the 13th. I saw that. Because for good. me, four also is kind of very much that where it's mm-hmm. like you spend the first three wondering where Jason is like mm-hmm. Jason, Jason, the one we know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That oh, yeah. was a big point from last summer when we talked about the first one. And then Jason X plays a lot on that as well on this film as well because it's very much the same invincible monster jason um but uh but it's it's interesting that i don't really hear this one talked about a lot even though it is the formula (laughs) yeah this is the this is like all these movies were leading up to this point yeah true Right down to him being electrocuted, and that's what brings him back to life, like Frank- Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> like, Jesus. This is where the franchise begins. I mean, pretty much, right? Like, the franchise, because there's a bit of a storyline. Although, yes. as we all know, he did take Manhattan. He did take Manhattan. God. Ugh. All right. Why didn't, he ju- why didn't they just reuse the Ninja Turtles, like, setting? Like, all those sets for that. I think that that was a couple years later and a different studio. I think the TMNT movie was a complete indie job. Yeah. I was, I was making that as a, I was just trying to like do that as a joke, but you're right on both accounts. Uh, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was purely funded by the creator. Goodness gracious. Look, but living in the city ain't no big deal. You got to have a heart made of U.S. steel. If the crack don't get you, then the hookers will. Because living in the city ain't no big deal. Uh, well then, you know, the plot becomes, it becomes a Friday the 13th movie, right? You have, yeah. you know, just like four, there's a split narrative where you have Tommy's race to stop Jason, mm-hmm. right? Megan frees Tommy and then they catch, you know, they catch them and they put them back into prison. And then, you know, finally, finally they trick Deputy Rick and get out of there, I suppose. The, sh- the sheriff, the sheriff has enough going on where he should have a character arc, but they never give him enough time to let right. him have a character We're, arc. This is the first of three rehearsals for the movie Scream. So he kind of has to be that character, that kind of two-dimensional, I don't believe you, dad character. I was going to dip into like uh, what we're talking about with Stranger Things. And like Jim Hopper is the good version of the sheriff character. He's yes. a hard ass at the start and then goes, wait, okay, I get it. And they, they never have a wait, okay, get, I get it moment. He clearly cares. He protects the children protects his child and then he has one of my favorite deaths in this movie next to the terminator 2 scene where he just gets folded in half like the most (laughs) uncomfortable hanukkah folding chair it's great i would have liked to have at least a couple of minutes of a chase yeah oh shit like christ is real pretty much i'm screwed They, they they spread that around the movie as movie especially during the like early mid part where you get the the paintball scene where he's marching after um goodness who's the who's the character who's the actor for the dorky character in ghostbusters you know the one rick moranis yeah the rick moranis character is wearing a big hat who's wearing glasses and goggles over his glasses just he just walk chases after him you don't see the death you just see the body parts later you do get some chase stuff here and there but it's all short or if there is an elongated chase, you don't see the end result until later. I don't know. It's it's fine. It's a little anticlimactic, but eh. how about movie the... looks good. That's true. How about that final battle? A lot longer than I expected. I I'm not gonna lie. When he poured the gasoline over the boat, and I said, "Oh yeah, oh yeah,", yeah, yeah, yeah lights yeah. the lake on fire. Yeah, good. It's cool. It's one of the better ones. You know, again, like I said, final battles I usually always go for. Of and, course. Uh, the ones here are really, really great. I also really love, like, well, if he can't die, how do you restrain him, right? Mm-hmm. You tie a rock to his ankle and you push him into the ocean. Yeah. There were a couple of... um filmed scenes that or or like storyboarded that got cut and some of them were like the deputy finally gets the key in the jail cell unlocks and is about to unlock and then the door opens and all stuff that's like ambiguous about what happened to jason i kind of like the idea that he is very clearly alive at the bottom of the lake and it's only a matter of time before he gets so pissed off or the chain rot rusts away and he snaps and breaks free i kind of like that it's it returns to the idea of the ticking time bomb that is jason we all like we know jason and the friday the 13th franchise is a ticking time bomb of when is the next one to come out right and i, I don't know kind of nice that the in-universe reason is the same thing when is he gonna come back just a matter of time he will and how poetic is it that 
he's at the bottom of Camp Blood, which is where he started. Exactly. I mean, uh, uh, young Jarvis says himself, we gotta return him to where he was, uh, drowned in 1957. And they do. Hell yeah. Jared, any other thoughts on this? What did you think of it on the whole? What'd you, like, what'd you think? I'm going, I'm going from Friday the 13th one, where, uh, couch cushion budget we're having these two actors actually wrestle with each other right. i hope they don't die to a movie that was actually beautifully shot it looks it's very good looking it's great like the blu-ray restorations of all these movies are really awesome but mm-hmm. yeah this movie looks fantastic one standout scene i wanted to touch on is um oh goodness i can't believe the girl character uh megan no right. not megan Oh. Uh-oh. The girl character. I don't recall her name right now. I only remember Tommy, Tommy Jarvis because he is recurring. But yeah. one of the characters is telling the story of Camp Crystal Lake, and she ends it with like, but do you know what I'm most afraid of? Them. Points out the window. The school bus comes up. Some kids start coming out. And they have a funny little shot where it's reversed. Comes in on the ca- on the camp counselor's staring out at the children and it's filmed like a little horror movie but it's children it worked on me man that scared the hell out of me in real life i was like oh my god they're gonna put kids in the middle of this they do it well yeah they uh they give jason character by having him not kill children he just sort of doesn't know what the hell they are i kind of like that it's way better than expected and it set the groundwork for how we identified Jason Voorhees. Good movie. I enjoyed it. It's awesome. It's great. Yeah. Friday the Friday the Thirteenth. Jason lives. It's great. It's kind of like everything I wanted out of this franchise. It only took yeah. like now four is close. It's a little cluttered, but this is like the perfect tone. It's got the perfect Jason. Jason looks great. I think mm-hmm. the deaths are really inventive and weird. It's mm-hmm. right back. It's it's back to formula and then creating a formula that they immediately go back on and ruin uh, for a carry rip in the next one. So hope you're looking forward to that. I'm going to instead mention how the sheriff shoots uh, Jason with a shotgun, knocks him down. Jason gets up fast, shot down, gets up, shot down, gets up, shot down. And the fourth time, because Jason knows he's out of shotgun shells, he gets up nice and slow. So good. Because he's, cause he's kind of an asshole, and I appreciate that. <laughs> so good. Uh, Jared, because you had never seen this sure. movie before, I'm curious as to what your star rating on it is. I bumped it up half a star, but that's more of a personal preference thing. Like, All right. Where are you at, actually? I am at four and a half, because it is almost completely, like, it's exactly what I'm looking for out of a Friday the 13th movie. It's as close to perfect as you can get for the franchise, in my opinion. Including the first one, which is a mind fuck, but that's just the way the franchise worked out. First one is so interesting. That's an indie film. It is its own thing. Like two it's... is the start of the franchise, really. Yeah. One yeah. is its own thing. It's interesting. One is one is a subversion of what you expect, which is Friday the Thirteenth. One is a subversion of the rest of the franchise, and I kind of like that. It's kind of weird. True. Uh, I have it a solid three and a half stars, but yeah. I figure. I'm very excited for Halloween. I really want to go through Friday the 13th this year. Hell yeah. Like the yeah. entire franchise. 
so I know when I rewatch it, it's going to be a little higher. But right now, three and a half. That was a good movie. Hell I enjoyed yeah. it. I'm glad you liked it. Me too. I did not know what to expect because it's the sixth movie in a big, bloated, ugly franchise. That's true. I picked it because, you know, besides four, sure. I, I hate to keep doing this. Sure. No, no, no. But it ties in. It is very much. It's kind of its own thing. Like there's some context you're missing from the worst movie of all time. Friday the 13th part five. Um, which has its charms, right? But if you get over that, once you get caught up on that, which is pretty quick, it's fun. It's about kids just having fun. Just kids having fun. <laughs> but that's all I got. Yeah, that's Jason, Jason Lives, Lives, man. What a great He's alive. preview. What a great preview, by the way, for Ammonite Horror Nights coming this October, the return, the frequel. If you will. Freak. Well, the freak will. There we go. What can we say about that? We've already said to death we're doing gremlins. That's going to be exciting. Mm hmm. I think we can say we're doing more Halloween. Although mm -hmm. to get Jared in a theater for Halloween ends, I wonder oh. if that's possible. But that's not your problem. That's our problem. And we'll we'll come to that road when we when we get there. Kevin, I have a big question. Do we have to rewatch Shin Halloween and Shin Halloween Kills? You don't have to watch anything except for what is on the schedule. I don't. You saw it last year. Evil Died Tonight, remember? Yo, Pizza Pies Tonight. Pizza Pies Tonight. Pizza Pies Tonight. I shot him six times. <laughs> All those horrible pizza pies oh tonight. This show is, I have to end this show because it's going to be another hour of this. Folks, as always, we are Kev and Jared. This was Ammonite Movie Night. Next week, The Room, The Big Lebowski. Uh, Say goodbye to the to the big, fat, crazy summer in New York. Theoretically, it's still going to be hot, but summer's over. Oh, yeah. And then the week after that, uh, next week, we're going to do uh, some heat bonus audio. So if you have anything to say about heat or or anything we've talked about, or The Big Lebowski, or The Room, please, amntpod at gmail.com. Please fill our inboxes with something other than receipts for Norton plans I didn't buy. Except you, old Boon. We don't care. Nobody cares about old Boon anymore. Now old Boon, old Boon's engaged. We're old news now. We didn't exist. We didn't happen. If we thought no one cared about old Boon now, just you wait. God bless, ma'am. We love you. We love you, buddy. Congratulations. You're the best. Congratulations. Love you. All right. Uh, for, for Jared, this is Jared. Jared, Jared, Jared. Good night. We'll see you guys next week.